Let's be honest, few humans enjoy meetings and many feel trapped in meetings. As leaders, we don't want to burden those we lead, but meetings can seem to do that more often than not. We wanted to address the pain of meetings through the Meetings with Saints Library. Here we have 15 plus presentations dedicated to improving the meetings we run. We have experts in the field addressing topics like getting people involved in meetings, staying on task, dealing with conflict in meetings, and a ton more. We'd love you to explore the full Meetings with Saints library over 14 days at no cost to you. You can do this by visiting leadingsaints.org 14. That's leadingsaints.org 14. We'll also give you access to all of our virtual libraries that educate about other leadership topics. It's really good stuff. So visit leadingsaints.org 14 or click the link in the show notes. So my name is Kurt Frankum, and I am the founder and executive director of Leading Saints and obviously the host of the Leading Saints podcast. Now, I started Leading Saints back in 2010. It was just a hobby blog, and it grew from there. By the time uh, 2014 came around, we started the podcast, and that's really when it got some uh, traction and took off. Uh, 2016, we became a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and we've been growing ever since. And now I get the opportunity of an of interviewing and talking with remarkable people all over the world. Now, this is a segment we do on the Leading Saints podcast called How I Lead. And we reach out to everyday leaders. They're not experts, gurus, authors, PhDs. They're just everyday leaders who've been asked to serve in a specific leadership calling. And we simply ask them, how is it that you lead? And they go through some remarkable principles that should be in a book, that should be behind a PhD. They're, uh, they're usually that good. And uh, we just talk about uh, sharing what the other guy's doing. And I remember being a leader, just simply wanting to know, okay, I know what I'm trying to do, but what's the other guy doing? What's working for him? And so that's why every Wednesday or so, we publish these How I Lead segments to share. Today on this How I Lead interview, we're headed to the Billings, Montana Steak with, uh, first of all, uh, Dell Williams, the steak president. How are you, Dell? I'm doing well. Thanks, Kurt. Good. And we, uh, I guess the, the the person who mainly gets the credit for lining this up is uh, your <laughs> young women's steak president, which is uh, Sarah Payne. Sarah, welcome. Steak release is any president, oh, actually. Are you release is okay? Well, hey, we're keeping we're keeping yeah, that mistake. We're all kids right? inside. That's what I okay. said. We're all kids inside. So okay, cool, nice. Um, I guess you. I guess the reason they got my the youth in my mind is that uh, Colette Hall was the one that uh, connected us. And Sarah, you're friends with Colette. And, yes. and with Colette, we talked about the youth um, and and whatnot. But then she recommended you and and President Williams is some sort of unique approaches that you're doing in, in leadership and just communication and and uh, just running the stake in a way that uh, is is effective. So we're going to dive into those. Um, President Williams, maybe start us off. Just give us give us an idea of 
the Billings, Montana steak? So we're, what I would think is just a typical steak. We've got pretty good normal demographics. A lot of families, we have a uh, one branch. We're in Montana, so we have to have a branch. Uh, <laughs> and then we have one young single adult unit in our ward or in our stake as well. So, uh, but we've got a lot of young families um, in our stake and in Sarah's ward in particular, it's clear full of young families. But then we have the demographic of some older couples and singles, a lot of singles in our, in our stake as well. Great. And how long have you been the stake president? So I've been stake president for five years as the stake president. Nice. Very good. And then, uh, Sarah, how long have you been serving as Relief Society president? Almost two years. Okay. Very good. Very good. And um, I, I guess where where do you, um, Sarah? Maybe just tell from your experience. Like, uh, had you had you been a ward Relief Society president before before this uh, opportunity? I, I was in a branch. I was a branch Relief Society president, a little in a little town in Maine, and so I had experience. Yeah in that calling before. Nice. So it, which definitely helped prepare me to work at the stake level. Cool. And was there a story behind uh, being called as the stake relief study president? Oh, I think so. <laughs> I remember, you know, when you get a call from the clerk saying we want both you and your husband to come in and meet with the stake president, like, I think I'd said to my husband, oh, maybe he just wants to, I don't know, some see yeah, how we're doing. There. And I remember my husband saying, you just keep telling yourself that. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I was at the time I had, I was serving as um, a counselor in the stake primary presidency that had been my calling for a little over a year. And so I'd gotten to know the stake presidency a little bit. And, and more importantly, just like the, the people throughout the stake, right. Um, and serving in that way. And so what I remember most about that day was president Williams saying to me, we're looking for someone who's willing to think outside the box and I felt like that was like him giving me permission to do things a little bit differently. Hmm. And, um, and I've always appreciated that always. So, yeah. And, uh, Dale, I mean, with your approach to, I'm sure, uh, Sarah wasn't the first, you know, organizational leader that you called, uh, what, what's your approach with when extending those calls? What have you learned over the years? What could you teach us from your own experience? Well, as we were, our previous Relief Society president was coming up on the time to be released. We keep them in about a three-year period of time generally. And uh, as we were counseling together as a stake presidency, we, we had talked about um, the demographics of our stake with all these young families and, and the needs of some of the younger sisters as well as, as uh, the single sisters. And so um, we've talked about different names and we make lists and trying to do our work on receiving revelation on where we should go. And as we, we had gotten to know uh, Sarah because of her calling as a, in the primary presidency. And uh, when her name was discussed, it was, well, she approaches things a little differently. And I said, well, that's exactly what we need. And so when we extended the call, that's why I said, we're looking for somebody that does things outside the box. She didn't give me mm -hmm. the privilege of knowing what outside the box meant at the time. So, 
I don't think he knew what he was getting into fully at all. <laughs> nice. So Sarah, where, where did this reputation come from as far as doing things a little differently? What, what, oh, what do you think was behind that's that? That's a good question. I'm not sure. I mean, I, I'm a life coach in my profession and so, and I have a podcast. And so I think that like, just think like I'm just kind of have trained myself to think about things differently or what about this? Or have we thought about it this way? Or what if it's not so bad that kids these days are doing things this way? And so I think I must have just gained a reputation in that regard. So Nice. Nice. And then, so, so Dale, you're walking into this, uh, extending the calling with that you know, I guess that reputation that the Sarah has a, a positive one for sure. When you said to to think outside the box, um, like, was there more to that? Or is that something you say a lot to, to other uh, organizational leaders? No, that was the first time I had said it. And that won't, <laughs> okay. you know, won't be the last time because I, I just felt like we um, needed a fresh approach. We had just had this introduction of new way of doing things, higher and holier way of doing things. What does ministry mean? What does loving one another mean? What does it look like? And uh, her approach was a little different than the old visiting teaching model. Um, and so she just viewed things differently that we could see. And we said, that's what we need. We need this change that looks at things differently. What does the Relief Society do? Well, we need to see, have a different look at what the Relief Society does, what their role yeah. is. Yeah, that's, that's great. The principle I want to highlight here is just this action that's so crucial for leaders to do of, of giving permission to individuals, because in these roles, like, you know, we, we don't want to necessarily shake the box, you know, and mm -hmm. none of us want to be a, a renegade or anything like that. And so, uh, you know, we want to just stay in the box a lot of time and just be a good soldier and do what we're asked to do. And so just that per permission of saying, you know what, we do want you to think outside the box and, and, uh, and do some things differently. So Sarah, what, uh, anything else coming to mind as far as this, uh, thinking outside the box? Like, did you feel that, that permission? Like, did it feel freeing? I definitely did feel like I had permission um, to just maybe challenge the status quo a little bit. Like that's kind of how I interpreted that. Like just because it's the way things have always been done, maybe it's not the way we have to continue to do them. Um, and but then for sure, I'm I I can't remember exactly what I was thinking in the beginning, but I'm sure those first state council meetings, I felt very intimidated or had a hard time. You know, I, I always speak up. I always share my opinion, but I probably shared it more shakily than I, and with less confidence than I do now. Um, just not ever having been a part of, you know, meetings like that before being the, the really study president. Um, yeah. And then just as I, as we, as I continued to like, um, develop my relationship with, like with myself as in this calling and also just like with president Williams and the other members of the state presidency and state council, I just, I like, it was easy for me to believe like my opinion matters here and my voice matters here. And so that is really, um, I feel like president Williams has created such a, uh, an environment of, um, openness that like, we all feel like we can say what we think, even if it's not the same thing that the person who commented before us thinks. So, yeah. So, so Dale, teach us about, that. I mean, how do you do that? Maybe it's something that just comes naturally. You don't, it's not like you're thinking through this is, you know, step A, B and C to do that. But what comes to mind as far as, uh, 
being effective in in helping your other leaders feel that? Well, it, maybe it comes to that I have no idea what to do to begin with, and I need to gather the ideas of everybody else to formulate yeah. my own ideas. And that's that there's some truth to that. I, I think um, counseling together and gathering the ideas of the, of the leaders is really what the primary role of the person presiding at a meeting should be. And so I, I want to gather what their thoughts are. And uh, sometimes with uh, some of our organization leaders, they're, they're hesitant to participate. Uh, they have been in the past. They've been hesitant to participate. And um, that doesn't work for me because I, I don't have any ideas. So I need to get some ideas from, from the members of the <laughs> yeah. council. So... So yeah. I try hesitancy really up. doesn't serve you as the leader, right? Right, <laughs> right. And so, yeah. and and that's uh, I try to do that um, even in my inter- in individual uh, meetings or interviews. Is I want to get the idea of what's on what's on their mind in an individual mm-hmm. interview as well as in a state council. We'll ask what's on your mind, what you're thinking about. Hmm. Uh, that's great. Is that often like just a way that you'll start a meeting or is asking that and putting the feelers out? Yes. Yeah. And that's the way he starts every meeting with me. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> every meeting is what what's going on with me. And I, and he does it in state council too. And I think what he's like, I didn't recognize this or wasn't able to articulate it until just our most recent state council meeting. But I feel like what he's saying when he says that, that he's not actually saying is like, I trust that the spirit is working through you. Tell me what the spirit has been telling mm-hmm. you lately. Yeah, that's empowering for sure. And and I know the, the temptation, you know, serving in the state presidency, I remember those days of you have, you know, presidency meeting and you talk a good hour or so about different things and you can't help but put an agenda together for the next high council meeting or the next state council meeting. And, and so it's easy to walk into those meetings with an agenda of like, here's 10 things we're going to talk about because this is on our mind. And they may feel and look like really, you know, important things, but uh, it takes some discipline to say, well, you know, we, we may get there or let's see what, how many of these items on this list are what the other leaders are thinking about. And so by starting uh, asking that question, it really, I can see how that can be really effective. And that's, that's something we, we try to do is we, we do have agendas when we come in. So we don't, it's not a free yep. for all on what, but before yeah. we get to the agenda items, I want to know what's on the mind of, of the of the members of the council, whether it's a state presidency or whether it's an individual interview or whether it's a state council. And so uh, many times what's been on the mind of the state presidency and what we've talked about in our state presidency will align with the state council and the members of the state council. And sometimes they think yeah. of things that we should have had on the agenda to begin with. <laughs> But it, we didn't get there until we counseled together to see what's on on the minds of the members. So this uh, plays into the, the different principles that you two sent me prior to this interview is one, just this this communication um, and which leads to others believing that that you're on the same team. Right. I think this is this is generally what we're talking about. Anything else around sort of that cultural um that, that culture you're establishing in, in these meetings. Anything else you'd add as far as w- how you go about doing that? Well, maybe, maybe one thing is sometimes I'll have an agenda item that I want to talk about and that I feel inspired that we should talk about. Uh, but many times that 
agenda item will morph or change a little bit after I've sought the counsel of those that are in the meeting. And, and mm. I feel like if, if I were to come in and say, here's what we're going to talk about today, that's the only thing that we would talk about that day. And so I feel like it closes down openness if, as the presiding uh, leader, that I say, this is what I think we should talk about. Then everybody else feels like they just fall in line and say, yes, that's what we'll talk about. Where So I, I think it's, it's good to get the ad- opinion and the insights of others before uh, I say where I where my thoughts are. Yeah. Anything you'd add to that, Sarah, or is that? Yeah, just that he he states his opinion last, which I think um, I think in the church we're really good at respecting our leaders and authority. And so sometimes um, if the leader says, you know, what they think first, then it's like, well, I was kind of thinking the opposite, but I'm not going to say that because, you know, he's a state president. Yeah. So he always saves his opinion for last. And that's been something that I've taken into my own presidency to just, I want to know what my counselors and secretary think first. And then again, my opinion, just like president Williams said, my opinion often changes before I even get the chance to share it. Um, and then the other thing that came to mind was, I can't remember how, exactly how you say it, president Williams, but some version of like revelation happens in groups or, or we all get a piece of the revelation. And so that gives me permission to like share what what's coming to my heart and mind in, in the meetings that we have together. Yeah. It's the revelation that's that's scattered among us on, from council yes, that's that's, it. That's from several of our yeah, church that's, leaders that's powerful that principle. use that. Yeah. Um, so, so president Williams with you, like, is there, you know, to speak to, or to give your opinion last or whatnot? I mean, that that's, it's, it's, Sounds easier than it really is, at least from my experience. Is that, I mean, how do you, what's that discipline look like? Or how do you make sure that you don't elude or, or lean one way to the other as, as discussion is happening? Well, I wish it were as easy as you, it's not easy and, and I don't do it perfectly, but I, I try yeah. to not taint what other people might have thought prior to coming in or as we're having that discussion. And so, um, it's mainly um, making sure we hear from everybody first. Um, and the truth be known that majority of the time after we've asked others for their input, my thoughts or my emphasis or sometimes my entire opinion of what I was thinking previously will change. And so I mm-hmm. think that's part of the revelatory process of, of gaining information through uh, counseling together, gaining revelation through counseling together. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. Um, all right. Anything else as far as that, that concept, as far as, uh, you know, the, the communication that's happening, being on the same team, do we cover it pretty well? Yeah. I, and I think just as I'm thinking about it, um, I think there's a fine line between like respecting our leaders and then, and then putting them up like on a pedestal above us where like they're all knowing. And I think president Williams does a really good job of like, like being open and vulnerable and being like, listen, like I'm working through all of this. Just, I'm just trying to live the gospel like everybody else, you know, and uh, this is just the calling that I've been given right now. And so when we can see ourselves like on the same team as, as those that we're working with it, it kind of, makes it easier to say what we're really thinking and what's going on for us and 
the inspiration that we're receiving versus just defaulting to, well, he must know best because, you know, Mm -hmm. he's the stake president, you know, so. (laughs) Yeah. So President Williams, do you want to go on record and say that you are not on loaning? Okay. All right. All right. (laughs) Nice. Um, So talk to me about unity. This is an interesting uh, principle that you sent me as far as your approach to unity, because sometimes it can feel like unity is like when we go in a meeting and everybody agrees and we just love each other. Like there's no, there's definitely no con, you know, contention and, but there's definitely no conflict either. Right. We're, it's just, smooth and going together. So how do you aim and reach for unity and uh, how does it get messy sometimes? Sarah, do you want to jump in on that one first? Yeah. I think, I think the first, like the, the, the thing that helps the most is going into any interaction, believing that we're on the same team. So like, I know that he and I are on the same team. He wants what's best for the sisters in the stake. I want what's best for the sisters in the stake. We, and then knowing like, like we're probably not always going to agree on what that looks like, but just knowing that like having that basis, like we're on the same team, then, then when, when we discuss the needs of the sisters, I'm well willing to say like, I don't agree with this or that, you know, can we do it differently? And even if he says, I mean, there have been, <laughs> there have been moments in his office when we've kind of like, no, but like, but we're arguing back and forth about, you know, it's like very respectful. Um, and, and, but it, there's conflict there for sure. But, mm-hmm. but knowing like, yeah, he wants what's best for them and I want what's best for them. We're going to figure, we're going to work this out. And that I think is very, very helpful. Like one, one way that I think I've kind of like shaken things up in our stake is just some of the traditions that we've had where the Relief Society sisters take care of these meals and help with these certain service projects. And as I've kind of pushed up against some of that, he, um, which has been easy for me to do because of the, the principles we've talked about previously, you know, just like, I know that my opinion matters and, um, I see him as, as like, um, like I respect him and his calling, but I also see him as a peer. Then it's easy for me to like, kind of push up against some of the, the cultural norms that like all stakes have. Right. Um, and when, when we do that, then, then if he disagrees with me, like, that's fine because I know that we both want what's best. And, and then I think it's just easier to like actually say what I really think and know, knowing that like unity doesn't mean I'm going to quote unquote, get my way. Like he's, I am thinking of all the sisters in the stake and he's thinking of everyone in the state. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything you'd add to that president Williams, as far as the, um, let me just, just share with, with unity and establishing unity. Yeah, well, let me just share a quick example of this idea of not always agreeing that this is the way it ought to be. Uh, We had a tradition of the Relief Society had a food committee. And this food committee, anytime we had a missionary meal or a transfer meal or a zone conference meal or or a steak steak meal, we called the Relief Society and we asked the Relief Society to take care of it. And that was perhaps one of the first things she said right from the beginning. She said, you wanted me to think outside the box. What if we didn't do this? I don't think this is the way this ought to be. I don't think this is the role of the Relief Society. And Uh uh, 
And so we we counseled together and we decided, well, let's not let's not have the let's disband this food committee that we've utilized in the past. And you know what? The stake didn't fall apart. The missionaries haven't gone hungry and it's been spread <laughs> out and 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 the Relief Society who now takes a turn at providing meals. Instead of being the food committee, they take their turn along with the stake young men's and along with uh, the activities committee, some of the high council. So that's something that has, uh, and it's brought better unity and understanding of what the role of the Relief Society and the Relief Society president is. So sometimes we have preconceived ideas of the way things ought to be. And I'll just share a quick story. When I was first called as a bishop, this was a lot of years ago. It was within the first couple of weeks. I had a, a call in the middle of the night of a sister that was in need. So I called my counselor and we went over to this uh, young lady's house and she was having a, a manic uh, moment uh, and she was seeing bugs on the wall. And she was convinced there were bugs on the wall. And I spent the first 40 minutes telling her there weren't bugs on the wall. And the, the spirit told me directly, this is not the approach. You are not going to convince her there's not bugs on the wall because that's what she sees. And so when I backed off of what I thought ought to be there and what she thought ought to be there, we, I said, well, I'm going to come to where she is. And so I've used this example uh, a lot of times when I'm visiting with people who are having marriage trouble, I'll say, you know, your reality is different than your husband's re reality. You might see the husband might be seeing bugs on the wall and you don't see bugs on the wall. And so what if both of you would just take back and say, I may be wrong and he may be wrong or she may be wrong. What if we figured out what God wants? If we all want what God wants, then I have opportunity to change what I think as a husband, and you have an opportunity what you have to want or think as a wife, and we can come together in unity instead of standing battle lines and fighting on battle lines. And so that's the way I viewed this, uh, this idea of the food committee is she said, I saw that this was a good, efficient way to run the stake. <laughs> it worked out really yeah. well. She saw it differently. And once I stepped back from it and saw what she saw, then we said, there's a different way we can do this. And I think it's a better way for our stake and it's functioned better that way. Yeah. Cause there's sort of that, uh, the allure of uh, efficiency, right? Because this works. Like Sarah, don't break it if it works. You know <laughs> that type of thing. But there's maybe a, a larger perspective to consider, um, rather than is it is it efficient or not? And because there may I've, be other ways to make things efficient. I've said it a lot of times in our stake. What is efficient isn't always effective. Those are mm. those are two different things. Efficiency in parenting. There's a lot of things we do efficiently. Like do the dishes yeah. yourself. It's not effective for long-term learning, though. And so <laughs> I think there's a difference between effective and efficient. Nice. Anything else we haven't touched on as far as the, the concept of unity and building unity? I just would, as I'm thinking about like the, this example of like the food committee, you know, I think there's a place for the Relief Society also to to be willing to like let other people do something that they do well and not do it as well 
as they do it, like, or, or do it differently than they do it. And so I like that we don't, it's kind of the, like what you said about efficiency and effectiveness, like it's okay if they do it differently. Like that's the point isn't like who can do it best all the time. The point is like, we want to create a different culture here, right. And a different, a different narrative. And so I think, um, uh, as women in particular, sometimes like we seem to step back and be like, oh, we're just going to let them do it. We're going to let like they're willing to do it. The high council is going to do the dinner. This is amazing. I love it. Like whatever they do is going to be awesome, even if it's different than the way that I would do it. It might yeah. look, the presentation might be a little different when the high council does it versus when the release society does it. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, it's so true, right? And it's and that's okay, you know, and just because sometimes we feel like, yeah, but no, this this visiting authority is coming, and you know, we got to make sure that the tablecloth is straight and ironed, right? But at the end of the day, if the elders quorum or high council rolls in with pizza, like, hey, you're gonna eat, and you're not gonna go hungry, right? Yes, that's awesome. Tell me about just, well, let me ask in sort of relation to that, what, what is the cadence as far as, uh, like your interaction together? Do you have regular one, one-on-one meetings as the stake president and the stake relief site president, or how, how do you, outside of just the general council meetings, how does that unity get built between the two of you? Do you want to answer that president Williams? Well, I'll, I'll give the, I'll give the cadence. And then if you'll talk, maybe you can talk about what we talk about, but, um, I have a wonderful executive secretary that does all my work for me. So we meet about once a month for uh, interviews along with the bishops. We meet about once a month with the with the stake relief society president. Nice. Awesome. And then uh, how did those meetings go for you, Sarah? No, I love them. I, um, I think it was actually my friend Colette that was that, that I was telling her about, something in the meeting once. And she said, you know, that's not normal, right? <laughs> you should share this with people because it's awesome. <laughs> I feel like I usually, I don't run the meeting, but I like, I get, I bring whatever is on my mind. And that comes from him asking me at the beginning of every meeting, like what's on your mind? What do you, you know, what do you want to talk about? And so there, it's not uncommon for me to, you know, message him a few days before and be like, I've just read this conference talk. Will you review it again? Because I want, I think that we could discuss this and this about this talk that the sisters that would be useful for the sisters. And, um, yeah. And so it's, I really feel like I have a lot of just input and say, and what, what goes on in those meetings. It's, I feel like it's for, it's for the sisters and he knows that I know what's going on with the sisters. And, and so I get to kind of, I wouldn't say lead the discussion, but um, like I have a lot of say in what we talk about in those meetings. I love it, and and to me that's a that's a big um, maybe sometimes overlooked just with the busyness of being a leader and the different meetings and demands that uh, that are are you know there that uh, just that those one to one interactions are just are just overwhelmingly time well spent you know connecting with individuals so they feel heard and 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 outside of that group setting where they you know there maybe it is easier to speak up or to share an unpopular opinion or um, you know when there's not one 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 to one setting so um then just t- tell me about you, the last principle you put down here is just like creating 
Um, your state council and stewardship interviews are a safe space for all kinds of opinions. Anything uh, you do to, to, to facilitate that that we haven't touched on already? Before our state presidency, or at the beginning of our state presidency meeting, at the beginning of our state council, and the beginning of all the interviews, um, we, I want to counsel together with them. We have our agenda items. We have the things that we need to talk about. We have the things we need to work through. But I feel like if we will talk about a gospel principle, if we'll talk about a concern that, that uh, one of us might have or something that we've heard throughout the stake that we've had, if we can counsel together about that, um, I think it invites the spirit. And what happens at the end of the meeting is the business becomes much easier to work through. Because we've come mm -hmm. to a unity of thinking. We've melded our, our, our views a little better. And so when it comes to the, the business, it, it flows faster and it works better. So in a state presidency meeting, we might spend the first 20 minutes or 30 minutes talking about a gospel principle or uh, a portion of the church handbook of instruction um, before we actually get to the agenda items. And we do the same in our state councils as well as our high council. Awesome. And Sarah, for you, uh, I, you talked about early on that you were sort of hesitant to speak up just because, you know, you're the, you're the newbie in the room, right? Even mm -hmm. as the state relief society president, uh, was there anything else we haven't discussed as far as how you felt more and more safe to share perspectives and opinions? Or? Yeah, I think that, that I just, just felt like my opinion mattered, you know, that it was never dismissed or like, you know, or, or overlooked. Um, and, and not just by President Williams and his counselors, but by the entire state council, I feel like the state councils that we have are like exactly what, what President Nelson would want a state council to look like, you know, like he could come in and video them. They're just there. Uh, or for that matter, this, what the savior like envisions like a council to look like. And so, um, that, and, and I think, I think it, that it should be said too, that president Williams and his counselors as well, they are open and vulnerable and they share things that they're going through. And so it makes it easier for us as members of the council to, to do the same. I remember in particular, there was one time this was, I think this was in a stewardship interview with just he and I, but I had recognized in my own, like personal study that I like had some, um, like, like questions about president Nelson. I was like, oh, I noticed like when I'm listening to him speak in conference, I'm like having these doubts come up, you know? And so I, and so I prayed about it and I was thinking about what, like, I felt inspired to listen to every conference talk he'd given since he was the prophet and to just really like try to understand, you know, these like doubts I was having. And I remember I felt completely, completely like, uh, safe to share that with president Williams. I knew he wouldn't judge me. I knew that he would just maybe have questions or just talked to me about it, you know, and my heart was totally changed as I listened to all of these talks again that the prophet had given. And as I was sharing this with president Williams, he paused and he said, will you please share that with the sisters? And, um, and as you go, we, in, in our stake, the, um, the state relief side president, they are kind of viewed as like a high council 
person. And so we go and we speak in the sacrament meetings of the different wards, like throughout the year as well. And he said, share that, please share like that if doubts are okay and that there's a way to turn to the savior to work through them. So. Well, that's cool. Um, I, maybe uh, president Williams, you can speak to this. The, the Sarah mentioned that oftentimes you and your counselors will share what you're going through. Like, is does an example of what that looks like come to mind? Uh, yeah. So we'll, we have members in the stake who are struggling with adult children where the adult children are questioning the way they were raised and that they have concerns about, they didn't have agency. And, uh, well, that's me. That's I, I have that we have eight children and, and they're, some of them are having questions. And, and so I think it's, it's good for me to share that we're having some of those same concerns. In fact, we have a state conference coming up this weekend, and that's one of the topics that will be talked about is uh, um, I'm going to address the stake as if I was a talking to my family on mm. where their questions might be, where their answers might be coming from. So I think it's important to, to have show some vulnerability. Um, we very seldom do we come together because we have strengths that are alike. We usually come together more unity wise when we have, uh, weaknesses that are like, that's why we love the savior so much, I think is because he accepts us knowing all of our vulnerabilities and all of our weaknesses and still, still loves us. Yeah. No, that's such a crucial principle to, to sit with and consider is, you know, oftentimes in leadership, um, for example, like a fifth Sunday lesson, maybe a bishop, it's fifth Sunday, the bishop walks in and starts teaching a lesson about a certain topic. And oftentimes members can sit there and be like, where did this come from? Like, why are we talking about this or that? And without the leader, like really articulating maybe the wrestle they've been through or the struggle or what help, what makes them lose sleep at night, right? And being like, this is just on my mind, whether it's a personal experience or something I'm, you know, facing with my family or this is like God is like making me wrestle with this thing. So we're going to talk about it, right? I think just articulating that journey of like, this is what I'm going through. And that's why we're talking about this. Maybe we shouldn't talk about this. I don't know. But this is where my mind is constantly pushed as the key holder, as the person that's the leader. Uh, I think that goes a long way rather than just jumping in and being like, no, this is what we're going to talk about. And this is the direction we're going. And this is the new theme or whatever it is, right? Yeah. Awesome. Any other principal concept uh, that you want to make sure we cover before we wrap up? Maybe one, and that is, what does it mean to be heard? So we, mm, we struggled with it. this as, <laughs> as uh, Sarah and I were working through um, getting the sisters to feel like they were being heard in, in a ward council or that uh, their opinion mattered. What we found out was... Um, some of them think being heard is getting our way. And it's the same for mm -hmm. brethren as well. A member sure. of the high council, they didn't listen to me if we didn't come out with a decision that they went in thinking that that ought to be. And so I think it's important to understand that when we're counseling together, um, we're not always going to get our way. And that's not what unity is going to look like. Um, so just because it didn't come out the way you think it should doesn't mean the, the leader didn't take that into consideration and didn't uh, uh, weigh their opinion in that matter because not everybody agrees that's the way things ought to be. Yeah. So I, I think it's important to understand yeah, that's a... that getting your way just because you didn't, just because you didn't get your way didn't mean you weren't heard. Yeah. 
And, and oftentimes we walk into a meeting, you know, feeling like, no, I felt a, a, a strong spiritual nudging in this arena or with this idea. And so the council will most likely go this way. But then when it doesn't, we begin to think, wait a minute, I wasn't heard. Like, yeah. let me explain to you one more time like, why this is so <laughs> necessary. Um, and, but to just be at peace the, of the council process. Right. And, uh, yeah, I think that's 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 crucial. Sarah, anything else? Any other principle that we missed or concept we want to make sure we cover, no, or do I we think, do we do a pretty good job? No, I think it's great, and I would just encourage like the sisters to speak up more yeah. and to like speak up more. Your voice Love matters. It. Love it. Uh, well, President Williams, I appreciate you doing this the week of state conference as if you had nothing else to do, right? So, well, I'll call on Sarah good. to speak, so I'll be all right. Oh, well, good. Yeah. Yeah. Delegation, another strong leadership principle. This is good. Well, I've got one more question for you. And, um, and uh, Dale, you get the last word at state conference. So we're going to give Sarah the last word here. But uh, the, the question I have is as you reflect on your time as a leader, how has being a leader helped you become a better follower of Jesus Christ? Uh, I, I think the idea of, of a leader is not what the leader can do, but what can help others do. And I think uh, when you think of Christ's life, uh, Christ didn't do much for himself. He, he wanted to help others. And, and so that's my experience as a leader has helped me come closer to Christ because I see people differently. and I want to know what I can do to help them. Sarah, what about you? Oh, I think that that being a leader has just helped me to increase my capacity to love others the way that the Savior loves them. Because when you when you serve them, you see you see them as He does, and not because when I say that, I I think it's easy to love the people that think you're great <laughs> and they just you know pat you on the back thank you so much for all that you're doing but where i really like increased my capacity to love and to become more like the savior is when i've um when i've worked to love the people that that disagree with the way that i do things and that maybe point out uh, my weaknesses and and so that's been really um that's been really stretching for me and um something that I'm that I'm really grateful for. And that concludes this how I lead interview. I hope you enjoyed it. And I would ask you, could you take a minute and drop this link in an email on social media in a text, wherever it makes the most sense and share it with somebody who could relate to this this experience. And this is how we how we develop as leaders, just hearing what the other guy's doing, trying some things out, testing, adjusting for your area. And that's where great leadership's discovered, right? So we would love to have you uh, share this with uh, somebody in this calling or a related calling, and that would be great. And also, if you know somebody, any type of leader, who would be a fantastic guest on the How I Lead segment, uh, reach out to us. Go to leadingsaints.org slash contact. Maybe send this in individual an email, letting them know that you're going to be suggesting their name for this interview. We'll reach out to them and uh, see if we can line them up. So again, go to leadingsaints.org slash contact, and there you can submit all the information and let us know. And maybe they will be on a future How I Lead segment on the Leading Saints podcast. Remember, solve the burden of meetings by visiting leadingsaints.org slash 14 and getting 14 days access to the Meetings with Saints virtual library.
It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness. The loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.